the thing that the enemy tries to use to torment you the most is the thing that is the most untrue. As in, you should you should cue into your tormenting thoughts because it's actually your superpower with the Holy Spirit. I have been anointed, and I'm boasting in Jesus right now, I have been anointed to show people who they truly are in Christ. Of course that would be the plan of the enemy. Come on, like we are not ignorant to the enemy's devices. And we are the prophet of our own life. So either if I come into agreement with that, well, I'm prophesying something over my life. And even even for this particular record, I remember looking at my, like I was in a worship service and I was surveying my life with the Holy Spirit. And I just said, I am too wise of a woman now to ever blame bad on perfect parent. Your character is flawless. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You have come to give life and life more abundantly. I will not mix your job descriptions. But still, God, like there are some areas of my life that feel devastated. And I don't understand that. And I just heard the Holy Spirit say, well, you're right. I'm not a devastating God. You know that. But you have attracted to yourself what you believe that you are worth. A dream can be anything. Whether yours is to start a business, be in a healthy relationship, pursue your dream career, or to get right spiritually, every week the Dream Check podcast brings you tips, tricks, and real-life insight from people who are living their dreams to the fullest. I'm Nicole Ivanoff, an established international wedding photographer and wife. Like you, I have so many dreams, some of which I've lived out and others I'm still pursuing daily. I'm a girl from suburban Detroit who's made her way out to LA, and although I'm no guru, I have a heart to show you that if I or anyone who comes on this podcast can do it, so can you. Welcome to the show. Time to check in. What's up, friends, and welcome back for another episode on the Dream Check Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Ivanoff. If you are new to the show, welcome. Today's episode is going to be so amazing. We have Dara McLean on the show. Dara is a Dove-nominated, internationally known worship artist. She's based out of Fort Worth, Texas, and she's so inspiring to hear from as a wife, a businesswoman, and a spiritual leader in her community. She is so talented and so anointed. It was really such an honor speaking with her for this episode. The spirit flows through her words and her storytelling, you guys, is so poetic and anointed. I honestly cannot wait to listen back for myself. In the episode, we talk about dream distractions and roadblocks, whether that be mental or physical. We talk about the difference between religion and relationship and what that looks like. And then we really dive into the muse for her new album that she's about to put out. I really want to tell you more, but it's so good that I want you to hear it from Dara herself. So make sure that you guys listen all the way through to the end and get your pen and paper ready. It's going to be a good one. Let's check in. Good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? So good, babe. How are you doing? I am doing great. Loved catching up with you before we started recording. <laughs> Definitely. It's making me miss California a lot. Uh, yeah, I feel that whenever I leave, because I like I was telling you, I just got back from a, a work trip. And whenever I'm gone for like more than two days, I really start to miss California. So I could only imagine. Yeah, well, I mean, y'all do have now OC life. Is a, is a slice of heaven no matter where you go. 
Yes. Okay, so I gave a little intro about you, but why don't you give a little brief intro background about who you are, what you're about? So long story short, music and ministry is what I have been doing since I was eight years old. Not well, but it's just been my life path. Um, but yeah, <laughs> at eight, eight years old, I remember like running into my dad's office and uh, like writing the song about the walls of Jericho falling down. It was horrible. But I sat on his lap and he was like, sing it for me. And I just, you know, felt so alive. And nothing has changed. I'm 35 years old. My parents are a major part of my testimony and story. I don't know why I got blessed with this particular life path, but my parents are perfectly imperfect and they've been like my biggest ministry partners, investors, supporters. Um, I really think, I think it's a piece because now I work with young creatives and I intentionally tell them from the beginning with their parents, like you can be a part of this story or you can kind of get in the way of it. Like what's Holy Spirit asking Mm. you to do to partner with your kids. So it's actually something I'm really passionate about. Um, But yeah, I've been doing music and ministry my whole life made, um, three records independently at 18 was believing God to get signed and be in the industry specifically with a label. That's what was in my heart. And, um, at 18 years old, I was like, this is the number that's in my heart, heart God, you know, and, uh, 18 came and went, I, um, can say this like in a joking way now, but I was like engaged to someone. He cheated on me. It was the best thing that ever happened. And at, at finally, I was in a record deal. I was about to sign a deal. And as I was going to sign the deal, I heard the Holy Spirit say, like, this isn't it after like a year long courtship with this company. And so I had gotten cheated on. I just broke up with that person. And finally, this is now at 22. I thought like, okay, all of this was for something. This is finally going to happen. And I had to walk away from that label deal. And so I just felt like I had nothing. Well, I have no end in sight. And it's amazing when you know what you're called to do from a young age, except for think about this, like that's years of thinking, like, when is this ever going to happen? Quote, unquote, this ever Mm -hmm. happened, you know? Yeah. At 22, I'm totally broken, crying my face off. I go into my room and I write this song called Free that ends up being that same year, I get a phone call out of nowhere, a woman saying, we heard your independent records, by the way, make your independent records and put them out there. That's seed for your future. And she said, we, we want to sign you as a songwriter, but tell us what do you want to do? And when she said that the Holy Spirit said to me, this is the phone call you've been waiting for. Like, this is the time. A year later, I get signed with a label. That song ends up being my most successful song to this day which is just so sweet of the Lord. Um, And I had a 10-year amazing label journey. At 33, I went independent. I did a Kickstarter, raised money for the next record. And here I am at 35, and that record is coming out um, on my birthday, May 20th. Oh my gosh. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know all that about you, which I kind of love when I have a guest come on and like, I don't know their whole story because it like really sparks so much like interest for me to like ask questions. I feel like there's so much to unpack there. (laughs) I like started getting emotional, which I've said this before on the show, but that's how I know like the Holy Spirit is like here. Mm -hmm. And there's so much about your story that start even just starting with your parents, like not all of us are fortunate to have that you know, support system at home and to have someone encouraging their dreams and encouraging their, what God is, is telling them. And 
that's that's a huge blessing and to do ministry alongside of your parents and have that support it's just so it's really rare and so what would you say this is just like totally off the wall but like what would you say to someone who maybe doesn't feel supported by their family or by their parents and something that they feel God has put on their heart yeah absolutely what's amazing is God is perfect parent so mm. what I've learned in my lifetime, which I, I was pretty surprised by this, is as perfectly good as my parents have been, God is a jealous God for a reason. Anything, the best parent story and the worst parent story, you will find yourself in the same place, insecure, in need of your true identity. Mm-hmm. And I could get codependent as a, as a young person like instead of what is Holy Spirit saying to me, well, my parents are so good. They're always talking to me like God's voice. How do I, how do I make decisions for myself? How do I hear for myself? There are pros and cons to everybody's story. I, I can't imagine the not having what I had. So I'm so thankful. It's such a gift. And I absolutely see that and honor that. But what is amazing is we all come to a fork in the road where we are equally in need of discovering God as perfect parent because jealous God, which is perfection, jealousy, perfection, no negative to it. But <laughs> God, you know, jealousy is a spirit of murder, right? Which sounds super sketch, but God is like, I'm going to, I'm after anything that isn't sustainable. So like my my perfectly good parents, that's still not sustainable. So I would say to any young parent, any young person, meet God, encounter God as perfect parent. It will make up for the good and the bad of mother and father. Like, thank God, right? That brought me to one of your songs, which I've talked about on this podcast before. Also, Forever Family. I went through, when did you release that one? Last year. Yeah. Last year. Well, I don't know if it was maybe six months ago. I went through a season where like that song was like really hitting hard for me. Like I, I really, really love it. And it just is a reminder that God welcomes you into his family, whether you have, and that's kind of how I took it, whether you have parents who are supporting you, who are there for you, or maybe who are even in your lives, like God is your family and he welcomes you with open arms. And even my husband, like his family situation is is definitely also very very rare, but his, his dad is not in his life. And he's kind of always struggled with that. And he read a book fathered by God and just so impactful and powerful in his life. And that song also resonated with him so much. And so I just love totally switching topics sort of, but I just love what music can do and how empowering it is when you feel connected to, to the words that someone is singing and to the story behind the words. And so what was kind of, what was your, your muse behind forever family. I just, I'm personally curious. So on this record, so I've been releasing singles since a a later part of last year. Right. And then um, I have one more single, which will lead up to the album actually being fully out on May 20th. But there is a song on the record. That's an interlude also called um, when all I have is Jesus and I, I, when all I have is Jesus and Forever Family, actually have this hold hand heartbeat. And when you hear it, you know, you'll maybe understand 
where I was on a flight headed to Africa, I think, for like the seventh time. So um, with Courtney, our friend, our mutual friend, mm-hmm. we go to Africa every year, like uh, right after Christmas and through New Year's. And it was just a life changing experience. We got to pour into young people there, like a young people like art camp. And worship is what I would do. And um, on the flight, I heard this statement, when all I have is Jesus, I have everything I need. But I was just like, I don't know. I don't know that that resonates with me. Like, I don't fully understand, you know, like I have my parents. I've been so blessed. Like I have such a good life. Right. And we've all had loss, but like, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, in this moment, it's really not for you. So we get there. I teach it to a guitar player and that night we do it like for worship. I just started singing it. Now it's a really simple song, but I just opened my mouth and there was like a language barrier and such and I'm singing it. And the second that I start singing it, I'm telling you like 700 young people just start singing this thing back to me. And I'm just like bawling. And oh my I gosh. believe like what God did in the room. Well, I get off the stage and young person after young person was like, that song was for me. Like I lost my mom to AIDS. Like I've grown up and I was discarded and abandoned and no one even wanted me, you know, like person after person. I was just like, God, how do you do this? Well, that was over 10 years ago. And today I have had the moments for myself personally where now I also can relate to like I don't feel like I have had anything but if I have Jesus I've got more than enough so actually forever family really came from from that same vein of like I have to know like I don't know what I'm gonna do this is I remember having this feeling like God what am I gonna do like when the people that I love are gone Like, I'm a six on the Enneagram. I am so loyal. Like, my community and my family and my tribe, they're everything. And I don't know that I know you as, like, you could get me through if it was really you and me. So it just was this invitation into the depths of God's goodness and character that actually was enough, even if it were us. And, and, you know, I'm so thankful that I actually have never fully experienced that. But I also know now that he's more than enough. Mm, that's so powerful. And it's like an, an unwavering, like to have that testimony and to be able to say, like, if I have Jesus, I have everything. Like if you're experiencing that, you've gone through something like immensely, you know, whether it be tragic or I, I think, I don't know if I've shared the story in the podcast. I've shared it, it to many people because it's such a huge story within my testimony. But when I was in college, uh, I must have been 22, 23, maybe this girl that I knew through mutual friends in school, she had been a newlywed married nine months. She was six months pregnant, actually. And her and her husband at the time were on a road trip. Long story short, they got into a car crash. He passed away. She lost the baby. And I, re- I just remember, and I, I wasn't a believer then, but I remember seeing like all her Facebook posts and everything she posted was like, thank you, Jesus, for the time I got to carry this baby. Thank you, Jesus, for the nine months I had with my husband. I love you, Jesus. I'm so jealous they get to be in heaven with you. And it literally makes me emotional because I didn't know what it was at the time, but I remember thinking, like, whatever she has, like, I want that. Like, and I think that's what, what God says, like, live, let your life be an example of who I am. And like, when I first got saved, like that story just kept coming up. Like I, I want to be to a place in my life where if tragedy like that strikes, like 
I can say all I need is Jesus and Jesus is everything. In amidst like horrible, like tragic pain. And so that that song that you're just describing kind of re- reminds me of her story. And, and I'm sure that song would probably resonate with her as well. And just to have that testimony to share. And yeah, I just, that story always gets me. Wow, girl, that's perspective. Right? It really does yeah. flip the switch for sure. So... Okay, we're going to come back to the new album at the end because I really want to dive into your muse for that. But I want to talk about dream distractions and roadblocks, mental, physical roadblocks on the road to our dreams. What do you think are some of the biggest or most dangerous mental or physical distractions when it comes to pursuing our, our passions or our God dreams? There is, there's a few repeat terms that come up for me when I know that I'm in my false self-identity, which I do believe for a believer is the most dangerous place to be. Uh, Because if the enemy can't stop you from fully encountering Jesus and accepting him into your heart, then living in this limbo of false and true identity will keep you paralyzed. So... A recur, recurring thought, false self-thought for me is not good enough. Deeper into that thought is I always end up getting second best. And normally the thing that the enemy attempts to even at times almost um, repeat torment you with is the thing that is most not true. Mm. And it's the thing actually you're yes ma'am you about I, I just I wanted you to repeat that because it was so good so the thing that torments you the most is can you repeat that what was it? it the thing that the enemy tries to use to torment you the most is the thing that is the most untrue as in so good. you should you should cue into your tormenting thoughts because it's actually your superpower with the holy spirit I have been anointed, and I'm boasting in Jesus right now. I have been anointed to show people who they truly are in Christ. Of course, that would be the plan of the enemy. Come on. Like, we are not ignorant to the enemy's devices. And we are the prophet of our own life. So either if I come into agreement with that, well, I'm prophesying something over my life. And even even for this particular record, I remember looking at my, like I was in a worship service and I was surveying my life with the Holy Spirit. And I just said, I am too wise of a woman now to ever blame bad on perfect parent. Your character is flawless. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You have come to give life and life more abundantly. I will not mix your job descriptions. But still, God, like there are some areas of my life that feel devastated. And I don't understand that. And I just heard the Holy Spirit say, well, you're right. I'm not a devastating God. You know that. But you have attracted to yourself what you believe that you are worth. Mm. That's you. Wait, say that again. You're dropping bombs. And I'm, I'm like, I'm so receiving right now that I'm like struggling to respond. <laughs> it's so good. You... You have attracted to yourself what you've believed that you're worth. Mm, and that is come why on. that's why the real the real daily practice 
is the mental, is encountering Holy Spirit and then renewing your mind through the power of daily declaration and taking thought captives, taking thoughts captive. And man, if we get familiar with that stuff, it has the potential to change your life every day or for you to literally feel like you're going insane because you're not actually taking thoughts captive. Mm-hmm. So how, how can someone expose those, I, I think you call them fear triggers, when, when that's happening? Like how, how do they push through those mental roadblocks of repeating the same insecurity and just believing, like they're in a place where they're believing what the enemy is telling them. They're not good enough. They're never going to be good enough. Yeah, that's right. So the Holy Spirit's kind of given me a um, mental wholeness tool. When I have a negative thought cycle happening, specific, like let's say not good enough, right? The first thing you do, so if it, if it is steal, kill, and destroy, if it's in that job description, I, can, I don't have to wonder. Immediately I know that's not God's voice. Now, you don't have to feel like that, but what I'm saying is you're, you can say biblically, that's not accurate. So I don't even have to wonder, like, God, is that you? Is that me? Like, no. Okay, if it's in that category, well, then Holy Spirit, and this is a constant dialogue, but Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to uh, expose the thought that I have been believing that is me or true. Okay, and also let me step back and say this is the visual that I actually couple this with. I believe that everything is about the garden, So in Genesis, we start in a garden and Revelations 22, it says Eden restored. And it's meant to be our internal realm is always meant to be thriving regardless of our circumstances, right? So I believe that our imagination is God's. God gave it to us and it's meant to be a tool for healing. So I'll close my eyes and I'll be in the garden in my heart. And I take the hand of the Holy Spirit, who's the perfect gardener. And I say, take me to where I have believed a lie. And we walk in the garden of my heart. And I see, oh, there's a freaking weed. Interesting. Okay, Holy Spirit, so we've exposed the lie, right? We uproot. Okay, I see my hands because Holy Spirit won't do it without you. He'll anoint you to do it, right? I see four hands. We've got our garden gloves on and we're grabbing that root and we're uprooting that bad boy, tentacles and all. Okay, well, is is the Holy Spirit going to leave a gaping hole in your heart garden? No, that's how those weeds grow back. So the third thing is, so expose, uproot, replace. Okay, Holy Spirit, Mm. I believed a lie. What do you say in the place of that lie? That is your replacement thought. Now I have a tool. Now I go to my cell phone. I write down that thought. Every time good, not good enough comes up, I'm like, haha, I already got the tool. No, this is actually the truth. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, even if it's a hundred times a day, we all like in the world that we live in, thank God, like we've come too far. We already know that the brain science, the Bible has proved the brain science that if you do that over and over and over again intentionally, you're actually creating a brand new brain trail that heals the triggers. Like, thank you, Jesus. We have the tools as a man thinks, so he becomes. I just think I've not taken it nearly serious enough. Hmm. That's so powerful. Like I was starting to get emotional when you like, just if you close your eyes and picture yourself walking with like God into a garden to uproot the lies the enemy tells you, like, first of all, when you speak, like you're so poetic, even when you like, when you're talking, like, it's almost like you're, this is going to sound weird, but you, it's, it's like lyrical. 
you have such a gift. So when you talk, it's so easy to like picture what the Holy Spirit is telling you. And I feel like that just goes to show your gifting from God. So I just wanted to say that. Um, but such a powerful picture. And my husband um, does this thing every morning, and I forget the term, but he read a book called Quiet Mind. And Every morning, you know, scientifically speaking, like your brain is most susceptible to, you know, whatever you're putting into it in the first like 30 minutes you're awake. So he wakes up, literally opens his eyes and does like a five minute meditation, just laying in bed, like what he's grateful for, what he's thankful for and declarations for his day. And so he'll say, I'm grateful I woke up this morning. I have breath in my lungs. I'm laying next to my wife. Like we're getting up, we're going to the gym, like we're healthy. We, and then I am good enough. I am going to conquer today. I am going to live your work. Like he's now saying declarations and, and that's, you know, like you were saying, like it, our brain is a powerful tool, but also like the Holy Spirit is so powerful on top of that. So telling yourself declarations like, who does God say you are? Like wake up every morning, look in the mirror, even, I mean, that is so powerful. Look in the mirror and like declare your I am's over yourself. And like you said, like replace that hole with the truth. Like what does God say about you? Who does God say you are? And, you know, like the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And especially where we're most gifted, the enemy is going to come and try to make us feel like we're not good enough. And so that picture was so powerful, like it needs to be like some sort of film or something, just such a good image uh, for people to like, you know, tangibly understand, you know, what you just explained. So powerful. What would you say maybe the best advice for someone experiencing such bad roadblocks that their dreams just feel so far away and so closed off? I would say don't get stuck in the Netflix and chill spiral. And I don't mean mm, the sexual so real. <laughs> I just mean um, yeah. I think that we have coping mechanisms and I totally believe in self-care. But what I don't believe in is compartmentalization and denial that I'm really hiding behind the pain. And even like I'm a bit of a six wing seven, I have to keep that I have to keep that real exposed because I, I just want to make everybody happy because I, I because I think that like we're anointed to make things beautiful and happy and so fun but it's like mm-hmm. don't run from that pain run mm-hmm. into it and through it and also I would say mm-hmm. tools are professional counseling that's an anointed part of the body of Christ that if you allow the spirit of religion to rob you from something that people are called to do, like stop being ridiculous. Like the Holy, the Holy Spirit is the perfect counselor. And then I 100% believe in God, like godly professional counselors. Uh, also be aware. I think if you're, if you're calling out like, Food and entertainment are are areas that can be numbing co- coping mechanisms, and that's okay. There's no shade, there's no condemnation, but but if you can call those things out, then they are less likely to get in the way of like you doing the hard work to make progress. I think it it can be really hard, like especially living in LA. It's like everyone is like a dreamer and like grinding and doing their thing, and so at least in LA, I know it can get to a place. I mean, even with social media for everyone, jealousy or competition and constantly like 
you know, looking at the other person's lane and not just staying in your own lane. Um, so you posted this quote on your Instagram, which I think is so powerful. It said, operating in the spirit of competition and jealousy is a hate crime of the heart. Can you elaborate on that? I think it's so powerful. Well, that would immediately come from, I've got scraps at the table. That's the other son epidemic, like the prodigal son story. That's the other, especially like for church kids, we identify with that. Uh, The other son that was like, I've been doing all this and so much. And like, you are withholding from me. You are not giving me enough. And so the reason why competition is a heart hate crime is immediately you're saying I'm not enough, which is why I don't get enough, which is why there's not a seat at the table for me, which is why I've got to, I've got to hustle and grind in a striving competitive manner that is actually really not kingdom. And then I've got to kind of undercut people and passive aggressively take away from people because I never quite feel enough. That is that is a nasty cycle. And every win you have is still not enough because you're already thinking you're not enough. Mm-hmm. And once you once you get that win, now you want the next one. And so it's like a never ending cycle. Well, and your wins I have to take away from what? Mm. What are we what are we talking about? I I actually believe the more I celebrate you, the more that I this is wholeness, this is true self, generosity mm-hmm. perspective. Everybody has a seat at the table. There is unlimited resource that is available. Everything I have been ever meant to create, produce and all the resources meant to do everything to the max already exists in heaven and God is not withholding from me. But if I don't have that revelation, I will have a scarcity. That's what it is. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'll have a scarcity mentality and I will remove myself from the seat that will always have my name on it at the table. God can't force me to sit down in the place that he's carved for me. Mm. All like an eternal seat. Could you imagine like your name plates on it and you're just like not sitting there? (laughs) (laughs) that I mean you're preaching right now and again it's like the visual you're such a great storyteller of like your name is at the table and you are removing yourself from it like God has already had it like it's not going anywhere but when you operate in competition and jealousy you're literally removing yourself from what God has for you because you're so busy comparing and what's this person doing how can I be better than them how can I do this how can I do that when it's like no, just stay in your lane. Focus on what God has for you, and you're going to excel so much faster in that way. What What are your thoughts on just social media in general? I, I know it's such a huge platform for like a lot of positivity, and also like it can be very dangerous um, when it comes to jealousy and and competition. So, what just like generally speaking, like how do you operate in? In social media, do you have you ever found yourself in that place? And how did you get out of it if you were in a competition or comparison place? Yeah, the answer is, of course, like, I don't really know anyone that hasn't, but I definitely know I have. Mm -hmm. It's been a struggle. But I actually I only I put some safeguards in place. Um, I think that, and I respect this for some people, like I know they kind of delete apps from their phone and they go on social media fast and I mad respect that. And if it was in my heart, I would definitely want to be like obedient to that. I think that social media is the most amazing evangelism tool that we've ever been given. Mm. 
And I think that if we view it with thankfulness and gratefulness and we view like the, the innovative technology and the ability to reach the world for the gospel and actually, I mean, think about, think about this. When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, God knew about the ability that we would have to reach on social media. Mm-hmm. The difference. So why would I ever curse something that I actually do believe is even prophetically a part of that? It is mm-hmm. not. It would be, okay, here we go. Thank you, God. Thank God for God. Is money the problem? Is money bad? Or is what we do with it, what makes it good or bad? So good. Wow. Social media has never been the problem. And honestly, the spirit of religion says, here, look over here. Here's the boogeyman. Wait a minute. No, it is about if my identity is whole and secure, then then Holy Spirit will help me with some safeguards. So like I only now create when I'm in a place of joy. If I like it, I don't care if, if it if it did good on reels, if the stats are good. I actually am like, it's beautiful. I love it. I'm good. And if, if it's for one person, and right. if one person was impacted, then that's all that matters. Right. And so do I have a team where I do believe in the stewardship of influence and everyone has influence? Every believer is a leader. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I work real hard to know how to do what I'm called to do really good. But then once it is done... Whatever happens with it is anointed and blessed. That's not my identity. That's not my source. Now, these are my repeat declarations. And because of that also, like, I, um, I really only use social media for work. So whenever I'm not in work mode, I'm, like, in real life connecting with my real best friends. And if social media is fun and comes into that, awesome. But if not, then it's on sabbatical until I'm working again. Yeah. And I loved it. You said like every believer is a leader. I was talking to someone recently and they were just kind of saying like, I don't really know how to use my social media. I only have like 2000 followers. Like I feel like that's nothing. And and I was like, wait a second. You do realize like if you were in a room with 2000 people, knowing you had the power of influence on 2000 people, wow. that's insane. Like the ripple effect of like, okay, a message you said to your 2,000 followers, maybe let's say it hit 100 of them. Those 100 people are probably going to go share that message with other people who are going to share that message with other people. It's a ripple effect. And like, that's what our platforms are for as believers who are leaders. Like whether you have 200 followers, 2,000 followers, 2 million followers, like for me, at least, like I've gotten to the place of when I try to use social media for fun, it's just like never fulfilling for me. And that's when like competition and like jealousy and all that stuff comes out. But when I'm actually using it for his kingdom and to share my testimony and to share my passions and to share what my heart breaks for, like that's when I feel most fulfilled. And it's the same thing if one person messages me and they were like, this message was for me. Thank you so much. I literally, it brings me so much joy. And I think that's like what you said, how, you know, when God God said, we're called to evangelize, whatever, like he already knew that we were going to have this platform to do what we're doing today. And so I think when we're operating in a spirit of like, this is from God, how can I use it to glorify him? Like, that's when we're going to feel the most joy and most fulfilled versus like, I don't have enough followers. This person does this, this person does that. It's like, okay, 2000 followers. When you think of being in a room, even 300 people, that's so many people to influence. Like it's insane. 
Yeah, that's such a good perspective. I hadn't thought about it that way. And that instantly changes the game for me. Like if I were in a room, now these are my favorite things. If I was doing a worship night in my living room with a hundred or less people, that is such a freaking honor that like Mm -hmm. we've already won. Also internally, if we've already won, we won't be creating from a place of needing to get our identity through what we're creating. We're creating from a place of already knowing our identity. So anything happen- else that happens is like a freaking bonus. Like that's the win. So, okay. You've talked a lot. You've like touched here and there about religion. And I think there is a big, and I've, and okay, so I grew up Catholic, but just in the sense of like, we went to church on Christmas, maybe Easter, if we were feeling it, it was never something we wanted to do. We never prayed, talked about God at the dinner table. It was never, and I didn't even know what relationship was at that time. So I got saved when I was 27, I believe. I'm going to be 32 this month. And so for me, I've only ever known relationship. So, you know, I have a lot of friends who grew up in the church or or I'm seeing comments on social media and I'll like read them to a friend who grew up in the church and they're like, they have church hurt. Like that's coming from a place of like religion. That's not relationship. And so I'm, I'm always so like interested in this topic because I've never known the religion like hurt or like what that actually means. I've only known what I have with God, which is a very intimate relationship. And so you know, you said you, you were passionate about talking about freedom from religion and in the sense that it's my life, I can do whatever I want, but a life where you are aligned with your identity in Christ. And I think this is so powerful because I also hear a lot of people say, well, I can do this because Jesus still loves me or he'll forgive me or, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a life where you can do whatever you want, but where you're still aligned with your identity in Christ. So can you elaborate on that for maybe anyone listening who is struggling with, you know, the differences between the two? Yeah, absolutely. And there's actually, um, this is a two pronged fork, except for forks have three prongs. So just go with me. <laughs> we'll just call that. Eternity. We're rolling with that. Um, yeah, it's fine. Uh, so what I'm talking about is, freedom from the spirit of religion. Mm. And what that requires is a revelation of the gospel of grace, who is a person, not a subject matter. Mm. The very person himself, Jesus Christ, is the fulfillment, not the obsolete, obsoletion. Is that a word? It is now. Not, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, whatever. Um, Jesus didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. So if you are a believer, I believe for all of your eternal salvation is settled. You no longer live, but you are hit, you're hidden and alive in Christ. Well, Jesus is eternally sealed, right? So when I'm talking about freedom from religion, um, and it's so awesome. Again, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. I had not thought about this dream in years, but... I had this prophetic dream that, um, and this is when I just was making my first record with the label in Nashville. Anyways, I just happened to be in Nashville in the, in the dream. And there was this really big, beautiful, old, ornate church. And one of those churches that it's like so stunning and so, so gorgeous, but like a little eerie and a little scary, you know. <laughs> and I walk inside this big, beautiful, old church. And um, I walk up to a set of doors that have windows in them. And I peer in 
to the windows and there's this big gymnasium and there are these gurneys all over this gymnasium and there are people that are lined up on one side. They walk into the gym, they get on a gurney and there's like, um, and they're getting their blood drawn. Like they're actually getting drained. Like the, mm-hmm. all of their blood is going into like one of those bags, you know, that's on that like silver thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I knew what it was called. <laughs> um, and then they're, they're in the church, they're getting completely drained and then they look like zombies. And on the other side, they're all just exiting out. Mm-hmm. The spirit of religion the Bible says it's a form of godliness without any power. Mm, that's so and good. So what the enemy wants is if if he can't stop you from falling in love with Jesus again, accepting Jesus into your heart, there that there would be this constant disconnect that you would always be trying, striving, and never quite hitting the mark, and there would be no personal supernatural empowerment for holiness, for wholeness that you would never quite think you are. And so because of that, religion is a Jesus plus gospel that will never work. Again, with your pictures, like as you're talking, because I just feel the Holy Spirit so much, but as you're talking, I feel like I'm putting myself in that, uh, you know, that picture that you're explaining. And it's so powerful. And again, like I I've only known my relationship with God, but I know that the spirit of religion is a a real thing that people experience and the shame and the guilt and like all these things that makes people fearful of even going to churches. Yeah. And that, that is really important to note. Um, I remember my dad would tell me if you went to a watering well and you were trying to get water and someone came out of the woodwork and like slapped you in the face with a two by four and was like, God. And then every time you go to get a drink, like slapped you in the face, God, you would associate pain with God. Well, that's the plan of the enemy. So it's as if we've thrown out the baby with the bath water when God's always been perfect parent. Religion is the one that needs to get the bad rap. It has never been Jesus. Um, and actually some resources I think are super helpful. Cause again, we are, we're talking about a couple of different things, church kids like me that were recovering per- perfectionist addicts. Um, they got their identity accidentally and what they did versus who they were. Again, now it's the thing that I'm called to obliterate, you know, through the empowerment of the Holy spirit. But like, that was my story growing up in church. It became about perfectionism and performance and I didn't even mean for it to, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so we both, again, we both find ourselves still equally in need of Jesus, but, um, for those church kids that you're talking about, and I believe that in the name of Jesus, you'll never have that particular story to tell, but there's a, a book that every believer should read called the subtle power of spiritual abuse. Mm. And it's meant to be read, I believe for yourself first so that you are never the leader that, you know, when leaders get their identity by being in control versus who they are as a child of God, there's always going to be some form of abuse. Well, you're a leader if you're a believer. So freaking read the book. That's one. (laughs) Two, um, my father, my father actually wrote a book called Knowing God Intimately. And, um, you know, all these things are on Amazon. And obviously I'm biased, but it's about like, will the real Jesus please stand up? Because then you won't get duped when a Jesus plus gospel is trying to drain you. And you're like, wait a minute, this isn't life giving. How do I know the difference? Um, Also, the people that I always listen to on rotation are Joseph Prince, 
Bill Johnson and a new person that I'm listening to. Uh, so, you know, again, th- everybody's got humanity. That's why there's only one God. So like, you know, take it, leave it. Uh, a new preacher that I've been listening to is Damon Thompson. And he's pretty radical on the finished work gospel of grace. But I'm telling you, it is not the common stuff that we've been ingesting, uh, which is why I think there's still so much Jesus plus mixtures, which is a setup. It's a setup for a fractured gospel versus like what I believe Jesus paid for. Hmm. Yeah, it's like, you know, I've heard people say, oh, I, I can't go to that church. I'll, I'll go up in flames if I step foot in the door. And like, what does that mentality come from? Because exactly. the Jesus I know, it's like the, it's the opposite of that. So when someone says that, I'm like, what have they been led to believe to where they feel like they can't come in here with open arms? Because that's the opposite of who God is. Yeah, that's right. But, but when pastors don't have a true revelation of come as you are, because they don't actually mm. believe that they can come as they are, it's a systemic, mm. it's a sy- systemic thing that all starts with what you actually believe about your personal identity with Jesus and actually the character and the nature of God. If that stuff isn't settled, finished work revelation that you have to like partake of on a daily basis, our humanity will always revert back to the law because that's why Jesus came. That was like, okay, wait, we've played this story before. Like, no, I'm living in the New Testament revelation of what Jesus paid for. So, so good. Wow. I feel like this is, I mean, it's hitting for me. I feel like I'm learning so much, but also like these pictures that you're painting, I feel like when we're done recording this, I need to listen back because I already know all the quotes that I want to pull for this episode. They're so good. I'm so glad you feel that way. So I want to dive into the muse for your new album. And, um, you know, this is the latest, you know, God dream for you. And so what, let's talk, it's it's called Full Access, correct? It's actually called River. It was going to be called Full Access, oh. but Full Access is one of the songs. And the, songs. the full record experience is called River. Amazing. So I I kind of have like the summary here, but I want you to share it because I think it's so powerful. I believe that everything works, that there are prophetic themes in every part of our life. And it's, I think it's to the degree that we believe that we see it. And then also like little kid, imagine little kid faith 3D glasses on and you're just like, holy Toledo, I had no idea like all of this was happening right now, you know? So I'm asking the Holy Spirit, like, what are the prophetic themes of this record based on what really honestly you know that I need for sure, like first and foremost. And the prophetic theme of this record is, behold, I'm doing a new thing. I'm making streams in the desert and rivers in the wasteland. And like I said before, I had surveyed my life and just said, there are some devastated places. And Holy Spirit said to me, well, you have been attracting to yourself what you believe that you're worth. And God is always going to start with us. Now, it is amazing to me that God knows exactly what I need for inner healing in my life. And at the same time, someone who has a completely different life narrative, it will meet them exactly where they are. Only God can do that. So God gets all the glory for that. It's amazing and so humbling to me. But what I know for my own self is there were some areas that were dry and devastated. 
and I did not know how to reconcile them knowing and understanding God like God's perfection. So really, this has been an identity journey. Um, and I've written about identity, and I wrote a song when I was in my 20s about um, called Blameless, and it was all about identity. And I, it is the thing that I believe that I'm called to write about because it is the thing that I need the most. Um, I also believe that when our identity is secure and we're seated with Christ, what we do are the things that scare li- the literal hell out of the enemy. So I think that that's why there's such an attack against us staying seated in our identity. So the other thing that I've really been believing God for in this record is I, th- I think that music is medicine, and I think it's a whole new modality for people to receive inner healing. So I've been believing God that the note choices, the word choices, even the frequency of the music could heal them, spirit, soul, and body, and that it would create like Holy Spirit heart surgery. And that really is like Full Access is the anchor song of the whole record experience because it's meant to be an inner healing navigation for the Holy Spirit to like wreck and rebuild us. When you were giving me like, you know, topics for this episode, sit in the hallway of your heart with the Holy Spirit. And I just loved this picture. You can go into any room of your heart and paint the room brand new. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with, and this is just something that I've experienced with with what I'm passionate about on sharing on my social media platforms, which is people getting into healthy relationships, God-fearing relationships. Um, And comments I see a lot are, well, I'm 40, and so that's never going to happen for me. Or I... I'm divorced and God hates divorce. And so he's not going to give me someone new. All these like traumas behind, like God's never going to do this for me because I'm this now, I'm this now. I've gone through this trauma. I've been through too much. And so I love this idea around, no, you can go into any area of your heart and paint it brand new. And not just you, but like you and God have the paintbrush. It's It's a co-working space. And so I love the idea behind it doesn't matter like your past, your trauma, what you've been through, how old you are. Like they, the rooms can be paint. You can paint a room at any, any time. And so like when you said this, like I just had this picture of like, it doesn't matter if you're 60, like doesn't matter like how old the house is. Like you can paint a house at any time you want. And so can you like elaborate on that? Cause I think this will resonate with so many people who have this belief that they're too old or they're too far gone or they've been through this or done that. And they can't, their room can't be painted. And so what would you say to them? Uh, Yes, ma'am. Also, let me start by saying um, I pay very close attention to your posts about godly relationships pre, post, and and during. And you're such a stunning woman. Like, it's just true. You are gorgeous. And it's so rare to see someone so young and so gorge be like, here's a completely different option that actually is God's best that'll leave you without like pain and regret. And then also like any moment can be redeemed. I mean, I've just, I've been so inspired by like how you communicate about that. So I just wanted to celebrate that. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Yes, ma'am. And in regards to, yeah, so full access, uh, the dream, the dream will help me. I think that this is just how God works with me. I'm very visual. And I had a dream. I was actually at a ministry event and I had a dream 
that we were in a house. I was at the beginning of a hallway and there were doors on every side, like as far as you could see and beyond. And Jesus was at the beginning of the hallway and Jesus put his hand behind him, but did not look back, which didn't feel mean. It felt like symbolic of we were not even looking back at our past, like, but just trust me. So Jesus put his hand behind him, and I knew that that was an invitation for us to walk down the hallway of our heart and to allow access for Jesus to go into any room that he wanted if I would let him. Like, love is a choice. He'll never force us, right? So we're going into a room, and then again, before the door opens, like, Jesus is waiting for me to also put my hand on the knob because he's not going to force entrance. That's not how God works. Okay, so then we opened that door. Well, what blew me away is Jesus was already in the room. He's actually the knows every room is already there. So Jesus is in the room. He takes this beautiful paintbrush, and I, I'm a painter, and so I was like, I'm so in, and takes this paintbrush, <laughs> dips in this paint bucket, paint bucket, the most gorgeous, like, crimson red color, and then starts to paint the wall, but it's not red. It comes out white. And like the whole room is this blank canvas for like, okay, boo, let's create again. Like let's redeem again. Like, And actually it's not, um, you know, when you have a, and, and I believe this is a different revelation and it's beautiful, but like, I think that Jesus can do a work of the heart that is not layering over wallpaper or like 10 layers of really bad latex paint. Like, like that, yes, I know you might have a scar on your body, but I believe the internal work that God is doing is like, there's not even a scar as if there, you haven't even been here before. It's not just a reset. It actually never existed once it's covered by the blood. Mm. If we really believe that it would heal everything and it's possible. Like, it's mm. possible for Jesus to give you the revelation of, like, you are justified, which means just as if you'd never sinned. That is possible. Okay. I'm, like, so also, I'm so encouraged and inspired. And just going back to kind of uh, what we talked about pre-show, but Dara and I were supposed to record this, like, a couple weeks ago, and we had some technical issues, and so it didn't work out. But I just fully believed that when we recorded it, it was going to be exactly, you know, what I needed or what who whoever's listening needed at the time that it comes out. And so I'm just like seeing that revelation right now, like this conversation was supposed to happen today. So thank you, Jesus. Just wrapping up, like one final question. What would you say to someone who's afraid to open the door to their heart? Like they're so scarred that putting their hand on the knob just feels overwhelming to the point where they they just want to leave it shut well I think I would cry with them first you know like I think that I think that Jesus would cry with them first you know and I just think that that gets so overlooked and thank God that God is just not that way it's one of the reasons why I am a believer like God is not so freaking insensitive (laughs) you know Mm-hmm. So I believe in that moment of like, yeah, I get it. You know, like, why would you even risk again? And then I mm-hmm. think the Lord's been talking to me a lot lately about um, be still and know. And often I found that when I only know one particular thing and it keeps being negative, it's because I've not been still, which means I can't know anything else. 
So after you cry, which is so healthy, and you just like sit in like, I got nothing. I think in the stillness, you can know something again and be surprised by the way that God whispers in your pain. And that invitation will bring with it a supernatural ability to say yes, maybe one more time. And that's why you don't get the credit. Like Jesus is so, there is a gravitational pull that in, until our final breath, God will be drawing us. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. And you could have said no a thousand times. And if you will even, not even if you have the strength to literally do anything, but you just turn, Jesus is like, I got it. I'm carrying you, boo. I got it. You know, like the footprints in the Mm -hmm. sand. I grew up, I was that Christian kid that had the like Bible cover. Mm -hmm. It was like, there's only one pair of footprints and it's because Jesus was carrying you. But it's so freaking Mm -hmm. true. Like you actually, I don't even know. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if you have to say yes. Because, 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 Mm -hmm. well, this is what I know. You don't have to say yes for Jesus to already be there. And this is what I mean when the psalmist Mm -hmm. said, I could make my bed in hell and even there. You're already like, boo, just look at me. Mm -hmm. Just look this way. Like God Mm -hmm. is so whole and so knows who he is that he'll take anything he can get. And now if you will just give him 1% mm. today, if you'll just give him 1%, watch what he does in your life. And honestly, my other question is like, how has you holding your heart or anyone else holding your heart, how has that worked for you so far? So like, if we don't have anything to lose, mm. what if we just turn and try? And I'm telling you, mm-hmm. I, have, I mean, I have never... <laughs> No, go ahead. <laughs> I have never, I have no, never <laughs> been disappointed, ever. People have disappointed the crap out mm-hmm. of me. I have disappointed myself so many times, but God has never disappointed me. That's how I know it would be worth saying yes. It's so good. And I mean, that's pretty much the story of my personal testimony. Like I got to a place where I had done dating and living the world's way. And like, that's almost what inspired it. It was like, okay, well, I've done it this way for 26 years. I'll try God's way. I'll turn to him. I'll I'll see what he's got. And sure enough, like he had more than I could have ever thought, dreamed or imagined for me. And it was more beautiful than I could have ever ever even, I had no idea what I was getting into, like a complete heart life transformation that got me to where I am today, which is in a healthy, thriving marriage. I've never witnessed healthy marriages in my life growing up. I've never seen them done. And so I had to turn to God to say, well, you show me what this looks like. You can, you show me what a healthy marriage looks like. Surround me with people who are in healthy relationships and Literally all, I had no idea what I was doing. I'd been a believer for like half a second. I literally just, like you said, just turned and just like surrendered, I guess. And I didn't even know what that meant at the time. I just had such an open heart to be like, I'll try it your way. Let's see. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance. And it ended up being the greatest decision I ever made was just turning to God, not even literally knowing what that meant. I, when I say I was a believer for like half a second, it was literally half a second and it changed my life. And so for anyone listening, you don't need to 
know all the Bible verses. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to like do everything perfect right away. Do the right thing. Just like you're saying, just look, turn to God and just say, yes, like I'm willing to walk this life with you and let you paint my rooms new. It's really that simple. Yeah. That's such a, Mm -hmm. that's such a confirmation. I, I, um, when I'm not making music, I am now getting the honor to make music for other Mm -hmm. people. And so, uh, I wrote a song with a girl that we just made a record last week and, um, it's called Mm -hmm. yes. And the chorus says, uh, just say yes. I promise it's worth it. Put both feet in. Might look crazy, but he's working with one breath. Just say yes. And uh, God's like, this is for you, boo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. That's so and, good. And I'm telling you, you don't have to have any strength if you will just say yes. And I even, Nicole, is it okay if I take the liberty and just maybe pray for like that decision prayer? Yes, of course. We can honestly just close it out with that prayer. That would be amazing. I feel like so many women are searching and your your channel is like the pathway to their yes. So, you know, if you are, if you know who Jesus is, if you've never heard really of Jesus before or you don't feel like you are close or have a relationship, it is as easy and as simple as just saying yes. So God, we just thank you for anyone listening uh, that are saying yes for the first time or God for us, regardless of the yeses in the past today, every single one of us, Lord, we give you our heart and we say yes. And Jesus, I thank you that... um, I just want to like do a salvation prayer. And so like if you're listening and you want to accept Jesus into your heart, like you can just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I want you to be the Lord of my life. You can supernaturally forgive me from anything that I've done or anything that's been done to me. Like, and I just say yes to your lordship. I say yes to your sacrifice. And I say yes to being in need of you. And if you're listening and you know God, um, but you've been waiting and believing or disappointed or discarded, or you need healing in any area of your life right now, I just say yes. We say yes again, just like little kids. And God, you said faith the size of mustard seed could move mountains. So we say yes God, give us that faith and that belief again that any dream is possible that is your dream for us. We say yes, and we expect to see the supernatural just because you love us, God, just because we're your kids. We thank you for it, Lord, and we just say yes with our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow. That was so powerful. Thank you so much for that. I um, I'm so encouraged in my own faith and so inspired. And again, your words, when you speak, it's like you're doing music when you speak, like they're so poetic. And so just, you know, reassuring you of the God given gift that, that you have to not just sing, but to also speak into others' lives. And so, um, I'm thankful for you and that you, um, blessed us with your pictures and with your poetic words today. So, so, so powerful. And so where, can everyone follow you and find your music so they can now worship with you as well? 
Yes, ma'am. You know, on all the things um, on social media, I'm at Dara McLean, M-A-C-L-E-A-N. And then all of my music is on YouTube and all streaming platforms. And I would love to connect with people. Thank you so much for having me. This was an honor. Of course, my pleasure. And it was our honor to have you on the show. So you guys, I'm going to link everything in the description um, for where you can find her and then all her music. And I'll, I'll link my personal favorite songs too, which are all of them. So just go to, just go to the links and you'll be happy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dara. Yes, ma'am. I hope you have the best day ever. You too. I love that you say ma'am. <laughs> Bye, girl.